want to welcome you back to our Wednesday night study, and we're starting a new study. Uh, we're going to be going through the book, How Can I Love Church Members with Different Politics? Yeah, we're diving way into that. And I think God has a biblical solution, and in the climate that we're living in, we really need to ask the question, how do I love church members or fellow brothers and sisters that their politics may, may be different? Uh, you can get this book online uh, or Again, you don't have to read it, uh, but we'll be covering it for the next uh, few weeks, and I encourage you to be in prayer for our country, as always, but especially in these times. Um, we're having our, our Sunday morning services at uh, 1020, and if you physically want to come, we're social distancing, and, and so far everybody's uh, stayed safe. And uh, we also uh, film that online and show it at about 6 o'clock on Sunday evenings. Also, the Wednesday nights, we're just meeting virtually right now, and uh, and then our Sunday school on uh, Sunday mornings is at 9.30 with uh, Dan Swadley virtually. Um, everything is at basschapel.church. If you missed anything, it is uh, stored there in sections and titles, and you can go back and either watch on Facebook or YouTube or, or listen to it on a podcast. There's a lot of different ways, and I encourage you to share it and, with other people to get the gospel out there and if there's a need that they have. Our mission is open on Wednesdays from uh, 9 to noon, and if you have any other needs, uh, you can call the church and or email, and we'll make sure we get back to you. Uh, also, uh, if you're uh, a church member and we have three ways to give, you can physically give during our service on Sunday morning, or we have a P.O. box, uh, or also we have a way to give online. And so, Anyway, remember everything's right there at basschapel.church, and if you have needs, please let us know. We have a special announcement we want to share with you. Um, we're going to be doing a bonfire on Halloween, which is on a Saturday, and we're going to be doing it from 3 to 6. It's in our field right next to our church. We invite families to come. We're going to try to be as socially distance safe as we can be. We're going to be having hot dogs and s'mores, and we're going to do it in a safe way. And also there will be a special uh, candy gift for all the kids. And so please let everybody know. We'll have it on our website, and we'll put it on Facebook and different things at BassChapel.Church. But please invite people, and we hope we get to see you and kind of reconnect through these times. I hope you enjoy this study. Lord, I thank you for this uh, day, and I pray that you guide us. I pray, dear Lord, for our country. The verse that comes to me is in Psalms. Some trust in chariots, some trust in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Lord, help us not to put our faith in a, a man or a woman or a country, but to put it in you. Help us to look biblically and to be motivated out of every everything we do out of love, a love that you've given us. I pray speak to our hearts and help us to be obedient to you. And I pray for our country, dear Lord, that we as Christians will experience revival and that our country will have revival. And I ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. The question uh, we want to address that's in this book, how can we love, as I mentioned the title, fellow church members who disagree on political matters? I... I'm going to tell you right now, I don't see how you've ever been in any kind of church or with any Christians where everybody has the exact political beliefs. And um, a lot of times it gets pretty tense. And So we're going to look at this, and we're going to uh, like nine marks because they're not trying to be Republican or Democrat. They're looking at the Bible. And, what is the, and this is how we need to look at everything in life. Second Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is God-breathed and useful for instruction in the things of life. The problem we're dealing with with Christians is we don't base what we do off the Bible. We add the Bible to what we want it to. 
you need to have a biblical worldview. In other words, I see my politics through the Bible. I see how I deal with people through the Bible. The Bible is my lens for life. And so that's what I like about here. They're going to go to the Bible, and we're going to look at some different scriptures. So the first thing he asks, why we feel skeptical or angry towards fellow members amid political differences. Um, I have seen political sides on both sides that have angered me. Um, because people are being rude or they're taking their opponent to the level of making them a savior. I'm sorry. I don't care if they're Republican or Democrat. I am not looking to any man or woman to save me. I'm not looking to any country or government to save me. I am looking to God. And so there's a lot of ways that we can uh, see these differences in the question why we feel skeptical or angry towards fellow members amid political differences. I've seen some signs that have made me angry. And they made me angry because they were rude. They made me angry because they stepped into the realm of, I want this person to be God in my life. And so as a pastor, it made me spiritually angry. And the disagreements that affect your heart's posture or the hinder fellowship with other people in your church, that's what happens. These disagreements affect where your heart is, or it hinders a, your fellowship with that person in the church or in the body of Christ. Or maybe you feel scorned. You, you look, feel looked down upon because you believe this way. Or maybe you're angry that they support a cause that you're convinced is unjust. And you might even find yourself questioning their profession of faith. Does any of this sound familiar? Because I think it's going on all the time. And I think a lot of us have felt this way. We may not speak it. And how can they be Christians and support that question mark that's the bottom line we can we're going to look at three reasons here over the and we may get them all done tonight or we may go into next week but we'll uh, get to that we're going to look at three reasons such skepticism arises in our hearts and leads into disagreements reason number one justified people care about justice Justified people care about justice. Let's look at the word justify. We're going to look at that here in a minute. But I always learn the simple way of it. Just as if I've never sinned. Just as if I have never sinned. And see, in God's economy, we are sinners and we are destined for hell. And we are fixed in that direction. And God sent His Son, who had not sinned, to die. First uh, Corinthians uh, uh, 15 verses 3 and 4 says this, By delivering to you a first importance was I also received that Christ died for our sins in accordance with Scripture, that He was buried, and that He was raised on the third day in accordance for, with Scripture. What that is saying is this, that only the sinless Christ could take our sin that has caused us to be set for hell and to give us a reprieve. And so we need to understand this. Um, when we receive Christ, we are justified, and now God looks at Christ's righteousness, and it is just as if we've never sinned. So the reason, number one, that we get upset and bothered is justified people care about justice. We want things to be right if we know Christ. We are going to get upset about injustice. And this is where we can come along with the loss. There's a lot of injustice in the world that we can come along with the loss and really actually help be a witness to them. 
And so the work of government is fundamentally concerned with the matters of justice. And people who have been justified by Christ, Christians, care about justice. So think about it. The work of government, a good government, is to fundamentally be concerned that justice is served. Okay? And people who have been justified with Christ, as I mentioned, Christians, care about justice. So it makes sense that when we see injustice, we get angry. They care, we care about righteous judgments, which is one way to define justice from the Bible. We want justice to be right. Now, we're human, and we're imperfect, and we have a sin nature, so we're not going to true, see true justice. We only see it in God. So it makes sense, therefore, that we would ask questions, even become skeptical, when Christians choose what happens to be a path of injustice. So we're justified by Christ. We desire justice, and then when we feel that there's a Christian going in a path that is unjust, we get angry, upset. Sound familiar? And when somebody may appear to be making unjust judgments. So we're going to unpack this. God instituted governments to establish a basic platform of justice, for everyone is created in the image of God. And we see that in Genesis 9, verses 5 and six, and for your lifeblood, I required reckoning for every beast. I will require it, and for man, from this, from his fellow man, I will require reckoning for the life of man. Whoever sheds the blood of a man, by man shall his blood be shed. For God made man in His own image. We're talking about murder, and so we see here that God said that was wrong, and so we see here that He requires justice. Um, we also see in Samuel 8.15, so David uh, uh, resigned, reigned over Israel, and David administered justice and equality to all his people. So again, God's saying that example. You see it in 1 Kings 10.9. Blessed be the Lord your God, who has delighted in you and set you on the throne of Israel. Because the Lord loved Israel forever, he has made you king, that you may execute justice, and righteousness. You're starting to see a pattern here that God, and we see it in Romans, that God has instituted governments to put to in, to uh, to put justice out there for the world, as imperfect as it can be. Proverbs twenty nine four says this: By justice, a king builds up the land, but he who exacts gifts tears it down. Talking about uh, bribery, and then finally, as I mentioned in Romans. We see Romans 13, verses 1 through 7 says this, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have to fear... Would uh, would you have to fear, uh, have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this, you also, this is going to be a hard one, pay taxes for the authorities are ministers of God attending to this very thing. 
pay to all those who are owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. This is Paul saying this in Romans, that God instituted government to have justice on earth. It's even talking about even though we hate taxes, we should hate unjust taxes or taxes on wrong things. But where does your payment come from? Where does your power companies come from? Where does the things that you, these come from revenue and taxes that are justly uh, uh, put out there? And so that means that all our conversations you have with friends and colleagues about the election, abortion, immigration, poverty, same-sex marriage, criminal justice reform, America's trade policy with China, or party membership are conversations fundamentally about justice. Think about it. Is it right or is it wrong? Well, now we're going to get into it, Pastor. You tell us which way. No. There are things that are clear biblically, and it's not, I say this all the time. You will not see me talk about Republican or Democrat, but when it comes to the Bible, and the Bible is clear about justice or injustice, that, we're talking the Bible. But what we see, all these conversations, these topics, these hot buttons that I mentioned, we're not going to get to them. We're talking about, again, how can I love church members with different politics and how to deal with this. There are conversations about justice. Furthermore, anger is a God-given emotion for responding to injustice. It's a God-given emotion. When, it, when we understand, is this unjust or not, or is it just me? And anger is the proper emotion. If you hear a child being abused, you should be angry. Anger's purpose, will, after all, is to oppose. If, if someone that is innocent that God tells us to take care of is being abused, we need to be angry about that enough to do something about it. Christians should all oppose injustice. So that's a positive, that's a common ground. So think about all, of, think again of your conversation with fellow church members or Christians over the election or immigration or welfare policy. When they disagree with you, your instincts tell you they are choosing injustice. See, you got to, the last series we talked about was our sin nature. And so you have to go back to your motives. Why am I getting angry in this? I mean, part of me says, you know, I don't understand why you think this way and you need to think the other way. But we get to the point, why are you even talking about this? And again, I have no issue of talking about things when people talk about. But I try, I try not to talk about political things. I'd rather talk about God and what his word says. And if I, get, if I get into conversations, which are very few, in a sense, I really only feel like there's been one person I've been able to talk to that they can share their side and I can share my side and that we still are not mad at each other or, or pull a wall up. And so you have to see here that the anger comes because we feel, how can you believe this injustice? Okay. Anger has a purpose. Christians should oppose injustice, and we think of those conversations. When we disagree, when they disagree with you, your instincts tell you they have chosen injustice, and they're recommending unjust judgments, and they can, that can make you angry. And on some topics, I'm going to step off here, but there's nothing political about abortion. We're going to get into that in a moment. This is life, and God talks clearly about life. There's nothing party-wise on that. God tells us to protect life at any stage. 
And so we should get upset because we, as a country, Israel, in the Bible, paid for when they went into paganism and did not take care of children and did not value life. That has nothing to do with any party. And we, that is a proper angry, uh, anger to be angry about not protecting life at any stage. And so a lot of times we get angry on rec- they're recommending unju- unju- unrighteous judgments, and that makes you angry. It is a particularly significant issue. It can attempt, uh, if it's a particularly significant issue, it can even tempt you to question their standing in faith. Well, if they believe this, how can they be a Christian? I want to be really careful about this. This is where I, we have to understand. I'm angry because I feel this is unjust, but this is where we need to sit and listen to people. How many times have you had a conversation with somebody that you really don't believe what they're saying, but you're helping them or they're helping you? Let's go back to what do you need to understand about being a Christian? You need to understand that you're a sinner and that you need Christ and he's the only way. And you need to have faith in what he's did and ask him. But that doesn't mean at that time that person needs to understand the virgin birth. But as they grow in Christ, they should get to the point where they understand and believe in the virgin birth. And so as Christians, one, the commonality we have is I understand that Christ is the only way to salvation. I've accepted that. Now, as I grow, we're going to get into this, in my theology, then I need to get more and more towards the Bible. And this is where we need grace to have these conversations and help each other get there. Um, so it's a, a particularly significant issue. Sometimes we are even tempted to question, well, are they really a Christian? Why? Think about it like this. James tells us, uh, tells us that true faith creates good deeds, and good deeds demonstrates our faith. And so you see in uh, James 1.18 uh, says that, um, I, will sh- I will show you my faith by my works. And so um, you see this diagram here. The diagram first says uh, we're justified. We start as a, as a Christian in faith, follow the arrows. We're justified by faith alone, not by any works or anything. I just talked about this last Sunday, the publican and the Pharisee. The Pharisee was saying, look at me and what I've done and look at what I've not done. We are justified by faith in Christ alone. And so that creates us to be a justice-seeking, follow the arrows. It creates us to be a justice-seeking individuals and in churches where we want justice and we want righteousness because we've been made right with God through Christ and we then display and give evidence on it on how we vote and on the decisions we make and how we spend our money and how we do our time and and all these things see how it goes we're justified by faith we're created and then we want to seek justice and then our actions and our giving show our works show that we are people that want justice. So these are these are natural desires uh, that we see. And so faith creates deeds, and the deeds display evidence of God. We see in the first uh, uh, display there. Which means when deeds are absent, we lack evidence of faith. Again, guys, we're not saved by works. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says that clearly. But Ephesians uh, 2, 10 says we are designed for works to show Christ in our life. Faith in Christ creates deeds and display the, it shows a display and evidence of God in our life. And so James uh, 2.19 says this, you believe that God is one and you do well, even the demons believe and shudder. See, a lot of times people say, I believe in Christ. Well, that's great. That's the first, uh, second start. A, admit you're a sinner. B, believe Christ died and rose from the dead for your sins. 
see, call on him and confess him as Savior and Lord, the action of that, the faith. And so like Jesus said, you will recognize them by their fruits. Matthew seven sixteen says this, you will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? No. You get what you get from the reality of Matthew 7.20 says, uh, Thus we will recognize them by their fruits. And, our, and so now instead of saying faith and deeds, we go to the next uh, diagram, let's substitute justification and justice, which offer another way of getting the same ideas. So the first diagram, faith, creates deeds. And deeds of display are evidence that we're a Christian. And the second, we're replacing the words um, uh, with justice, uh, faith and deeds with justification and justice. Uh, excuse me. Justification by faith alone creates a justice-seeking individuals and churches that show evidence in the actions and what they do and not just what they say. In the same way that faith creates deeds, so God's working of justifying a person by grace through faith creates, creates a concern for justice. I think that's the key thing we can get tonight. Because I've been justified, now I want to see justice. And in the same way that deeds display and give evidence of faith, so our concern for justice demonstrates and gives evidence of our justification. It's, 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 a, it's a pretty simple thing. You know, I've, I've been saved and truly saved. I want things to be right. And therefore, I'm going to make right decisions, and that's going to show in my life and what I'm concerned for. It's a virtuous cycle. And, if, and now, let's pull it, uh, everything together. Politics involves questions of justice. Think about that. Everything going on in politics is like, is that right or is that wrong? problem we're dealing with in society is this is what really bothers me when somebody tries to label me you know, I know which way I lean, and, you know, I don't try to be the party person. I'm not against being associated with the party, but what I'm saying is I am a citizen of heaven first. And, Christian, let's get real. You're a citizen of heaven first. And so if you're a citizen of heaven, an ambassador of heaven, an ambassador is not a democracy. It's a, the, it's a theocracy in the sense of we, don't, we can choose whether we're going to receive Christ or not. But when we receive Christ, we are filled and sealed with the Holy Spirit. And he is the king. You are an ambassador. And what the ambassador does is not make decisions. They do what the king says. And so therefore, your Magna Carta, your constitution, your document is the Bible, basic instructions before leaving earth. And so I get back to is that your guide is not what country you're in, but God's holy word. I try to encourage people. We are so blessed in America that we have the freedoms that we have to change leadership every four years, that we can have a civil debate and, and a conversation. And, but we, what we really have to realize, if you look at the Bible, you do not see, other than when God established Israel. In Israel, how he established it in the Old Testament is a really beautiful, great way a form of government because it's God's establishment of it. He tells how to take care of the poor. He tells how to deal with injustice. We really need to look at those things more. Okay? But what I'm trying to say here is so many times, yes, I'm thankful I'm an American, but I'm a citizen of heaven first. And every time, other than when you see Israel following God in the Bible, 
you see most believers under very oppressive governments that are not democracies like America. And so therefore, how are you looking at yourself as a citizen? I am a citizen of heaven. I'm a citizen also of the United States. But when push comes to shove, how, the decisions I make, I'm going to make off the document of the Bible. I don't care who's in office or what government I'm in, those or country I'm in. That's how we need to be as Christians. And, you know, I'm just going to get real here. I'm not going to argue with you. That is God's work. It has nothing to do with either party or whatever country we're in. You need to, set, you need to look to Matthew 6.33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. So it's a virtuous cycle. Now, pulling it all together, politics involve questions of justice. What's right, what's wrong. When fellow Christians disagree with you on significant political matters, you're, you, uh, you question their commitment to justice. When you disagree. Now, you do see disagreements in the Bible, and you see some of them leaving in those disagreements, but there are some pretty clear things in the Bible that it's not a discussion. I mentioned life. And the reason I get in trouble maybe sometimes for abortion is because I think a lot of Christians do not hit the hard reality of what abortion is and the extent in our country that we're going to do that. It is not a political thing. It is a biblical thing, just using that as an example. That's a perfect example of that's clear-cut to God. But there's other things that we make clear-cut that, that we need to dial back on and, and take a pause. Your question, their commitment to justice, which in turn can sometimes tempt you to question their justification. While you're not saying you're not, you're always right to do so, we're, we're saying, uh, we're saying that it makes sense that this happens. There are theologically correct instincts at play. The fact is, I've been justified by Christ, and so therefore I seek justice. And how I seek justice is in my actions. So. Um, Plus, every once in a while, such question is right. So, next week, we're going to consider the question, reason two, self-justifying people are, are certain their convictions are just. So, we, we stopped here on the fact of, I feel I'm right, and now we've moved over to, um, I mean, I want righteousness because I've been made right, and we're going to look at next week that I'm certain that I'm right. And we've got to be really careful on that. Again, Scripture is very clear on those things. I want to thank you all for being here tonight. And again, you know, there's part of me, and I've been in ministry 30 years, and I don't think I've changed much on stuff. Um, people try to pigeonhole me in something. And, you know, if, if you ask me something, I'll tell you clearly. But if you get upset tonight from anything I've said, I think you can go back here and say, I haven't deferred anything from the Bible. I'm not trying to go on either side. We talked about the basis of why do I get upset on these things. Because politics are about questions of justice. We have been made justified by Christ, and so we want to seek justice. And so we go back to what we're talking about. How can I love church members or Christians with different political views? And we're going back to it starts with me. Where am I at? And I'm doing it justly. Thank you for being here tonight. Uh, we love everybody and continue to pray for our country. But, again, we, it needs to start with us Christians, that we seek God's justice. Lord, thank you for this evening. Bless everyone here. And I ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen.